for evolutionary voices. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? With your host, Lisa Vanderboom. All right. All right. And now, here's Lisa. Hi, Evolutionaries. Welcome to 2017. This is Lisa Vanderboom with Evolutionary Voices. And today we're going to be talking with Wayne Wilson of Economic Democracy Advocates, um, which is they're launching today. So they're they're birthing today, New Year's Day 2017. So we're catching them right at the birth of this new organization. And they're focused on advocating for economic democracy. We've learned so much from the recent election that we can't leave people behind in our economy and that we're all connected. And so just like the coal miners in West Virginia, if they feel that their economic needs aren't being met, they respond just like any of us would do. So we need to assure the the success of our political democracy by making sure that we also have a strong economic democracy so everyone's getting their basic needs met. So we'll be learning more from Wayne and the Economic Democracy Advocates about um, exactly what that means. You know, we'll go take a deeper dive into what does economic democracy mean and um, ways that we can engage and help support it, because that's another thing that's, you know, come out of the election is people want to get engaged. They're looking around saying, what can I do? How can I help move the company, uh, the country forward? But um, I would... this time, I'd like to welcome my guest, Wayne Wilson, and um, let me tell you a little bit about Wayne. Um, Wayne graduated from Duke University with a BA in economics and the University of Southern California with an MBA in finance. He was employed by Economics Research Associates for 30 years, where he served as president and vice chairman. Wayne is co-founder of the Center for Global Negotiations and Global Commons Trust. And so Wayne is here today to talk about this new initiative that he's a part of launching um, today called Economic Democracy Advocates. Welcome, Wayne. Hey, Lisa. Hi. Uh, Hey, Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Well, thanks for your your kicking intro there. It's pretty darn uh, eclectic, going from uh, Charlie Daniels to... uh, who knows what? I'm going to sound pretty tame thanks yeah. to all of that. No, that's okay. Well, but, why don't we... But I, th- I thank you for uh, inviting me uh, to have this conversation with you, particularly because, you know, our uh, website went live today just a few hours ago. And uh, so it's a fortuitous coincidence that uh, your January show is today. And so thanks again. Yes, I'm, to be here. I'm delighted to have you on, and just we'll shout out that website a couple of different times during the show. That's economicdemocracyadvocates.org. So right. brand yeah. new, out of the box today. So congratulations on box. that. I know it's been a great big um, effort to pull this together, and, and I think it's also very synchronistic, not only because our show is today, and, and I have the pleasure to have you on to launch your show, um, but also you know where we are uh, in the country right now, that this is such a big issue that's come out of the election of um, people really taking a look at uh, how people's economics are influencing their politics and how we can be uh, a country that is helping everyone get their needs met so that our politics is also working as well. Let's first start with just why don't, could you define what economic democracy means? 
um, before I get there, let me just digress for a moment and maybe explain, you know, why we chose uh, economic democracy. You know, we we wanted a name that uh, would provide the organization with a really a big umbrella uh, capable of accommodating a wide variety of issues over the long term. And and secondly, we wanted a name that didn't carry a lot of baggage or unnecessary and um, alienating hot buttons. You know, so our intention is to be apolitical uh, in the sense that we wouldn't be involved in partisan or uh, political office campaigning. Our intention is to uh, advocate on the uh, merits of an issue and not on any particular party position. So, uh, having said that, economic democracy does have uh, a deeper meaning for us beyond being a uh, relatively benign term. And unlike, let's say, economic freedom, which uh, implies economic license, economic democracy really calls for economic empowerment of the many and an economic system that is by, for, and of the people. You know, another applicable term for this um, uh, is economic justice. Uh, a shift in this direction would be, let's say, evidenced by greater uh, decentralization in capital availability and scale of enterprises, uh, increased worker equity and voice at their workplace, and an increased emphasis on maintaining worker purchasing power uh, sufficient to meet uh, basic human needs. And so a shift in this direction could be expected to result in a greater priority and ability to manage basic uh, resources on a sustainable basis. Great. And then, so what is the mission then of economic democracy advocates? Well, um, we're, we're a grassroots organization, um, tax-exempt nonprofit, and we're focused on uh, direct advocacy with uh, local, state, and federal-level uh, legislators, uh, basically to assure that resources uh, that are essential for meeting basic human needs are being managed on a sustainable basis. And this is really in contrast to what we see as the present short-term, uh, let's say, extractive orientation to resources that uh, we feel will likely result in future severe shortages and high prices. Um, so we intend to help shift awareness and legislation in the uh, direction of assuring that basic human needs can be met. Uh, we, we are especially concerned that uh, water, food, and energy resources be managed uh, in a responsible and sustainable manner. We, we at EDA really believe that these essential resources are really our uh, commonwealth or commons, um, regardless of whether they are managed by the uh, public or uh, private sectors. I, uh, I interviewed Stephen Donahoe of the Quaker Lobby Group, FCNL, a few months ago. And yes. I, I understand that you were inspired by them. Well, yes, uh, they, they have indeed inspired us. Um, 
what what we as founders of EDA share in common is our experience of social activism with organizations such as STNL uh, or the France Committee on National Legislation, as well as uh, Shared Hope International. Now, CNL has been a very effective lobbyist at the federal level uh, on issues such as uh, peace building, uh, criminal justice reform, and uh, nuclear disarmament. Uh, and for over for over 70 years, they have demonstrated the effectiveness of bipartisan lobbying on Capitol Hill. Um, and Shared Hope International is focused on anti-sex trafficking, and it has had a significant impact on state legislators uh, in terms of increased awareness of the problem and promoting more effective laws uh, dealing with the trafficking of minors. So our group continues to be uh, supportive of these organizations, from which we've learned a great deal. I mean, they have shown us the power of direct advocacy. Now, now the reason we formed EDA is that we are deeply concerned that uh, the ability of society to meet uh, basic human needs is increasingly in jeopardy. So while there are a wide range of uh, human needs, some of the most basic relate to water, food, and energy, which are interrelated. And of these three, uh, universal access to clean and expensive water is increasingly uh, under threat from uh, privatization and uh, diminishment of uh, non-renewable sources uh, such as uh, aquifers. And so I know there's a lot of um, other organizations as well that are doing work on these types of issues. So why did, what called you or, or what is different about um, economic democracy advocates? Well, that's a good point. Um, sure. There are many um, fine nonprofit organizations or NGOs, um, thinking of, say, the Pacific Institute in California, who are concerned with water resources. So then um, why create another NGO um, when there are literally thousands already addressing these issues? But it's our lobbying experience with FCNL that proved to us that the effectiveness of this type of direct advocacy is surprisingly powerful. Um, I think most people are unaware of the impact that direct constituent contact and relationship building has on elected representatives. And while big money donors can be formidable adversaries, our experience and that of FCNL is that legislators are indeed human. And, and when you can provide sound evidence for the position you are taking, and when they see you are making this effort not for money, but for what you think is the right thing to do, it, it really impacts them. On the other hand, if, if the big money donors are all they hear from, it, it makes it easier for them to uh, go against their conscience. So, And I would agree with that. I've been doing some lobbying with FCNL myself, and I just had a, a lobby meeting with 
our congressman here in California District 2. And, yeah, he really sat down and he listened to the group of constituents that were sitting around his conference table. And we had a good dialogue about the issue that we came to talk about. And then it also broached into other areas and things he's concerned about. And um, so I just want to reiterate what you're saying there, that actually getting engaged and really talking to the people, the human beings that are representing us in our government, like you said, helps bring the issues that the people are concerned about. And then even if it's a a congressperson that you are in alignment with already, to help them know that you sort of got their back and reinforcing to them, yes, this this particular issue continues to be important. We support you. Um, So not just when you disagree with them, but also to continue to engage when you agree with them also. Yeah, that's a really good point because, uh, you know, my experience in D.C., is that the uh, the support administrative support staff is just delighted to see us um, because their heart is is oftentimes in in doing the right thing, but uh, so many times they're under the the pressure of uh, follow the money. But um, to to get back to your question of uh, uh, why start another NGO, the answer is that the we formed what is called a five hundred one c four tax-exempt organization, and this classification permits lobbying. However, uh, donations are not tax-exempt. So most uh, of the issue-oriented NGOs out there are classified as 501c3 organizations, and donations are tax-exempt. So they can prepare studies and give seminars, but they can't engage in direct lobbying and and still retain their tax status. So, so our niche, as we see it at uh, EDA, is that we can play a complementary role to existing NGOs. They have studied the issues and published opinions, but where we are uh, in alignment with their positions, we can take it the next step further and directly engage with the uh, legislators on these issues. Great. Um, well, why don't could you tell us a little bit more too about uh, the connection between political democracy and economic democracy, and why um, you feel our political democracy can't really be effective in representing the needs of all until we have more economic democracy? Well, yeah, I think there's little argument that our political democracy is is greatly distorted by the concentration of uh, individual and corporate wealth that uh, dictates policies which are really short-term and extractive versus longer-term and sustainable. And this applies especially to water, food, and energy. So with, uh, without economic democracy, uh, you have a hard time finding uh, a, a really function, well-functioning political democracy. So would you say, so like, so for a recent, obviously big thing that's been in the news, would you say that the water protectors at Standing Rock are an example of a current status of economic democracy in the United States? Would that be like uh, an example of something? Yeah, well, I would say that um, the protectors at Standing Rock have, they've succeeded in galvanizing uh, public support and awareness aimed at countering the abuse of water resources by these uh, well-funded and politically wired energy interests. 
And I think that Standing Rock demonstrates that it takes a really massive human outcry for government to simply do the right thing when it continues to be under the thumb of corporate interests. And, you know, if you could uh, visualize perhaps uh, an alternative scenario where there was enhanced economic democracy, in that situation, the sources of energy would be decentralized and managed by the users. And, and this would be the result of, let's say, increased adoption of alternative energy. Under this scenario, energy providers would be collaborating with water providers to assure that their interdependencies could be sustained and uh, respected. So that that's really interesting. So let me go into that a little more deeply. So in the Standing Rock situation, would you foresee or could you explain economic democracy in the model that you're talking about? It would have been that people at the local level would have been working with, let's say, the pipeline folks or alternative energy folks rather than people in Washington, D.C. making the decision that would be impacting people um, in, in the Dakotas? You're saying the people themselves would have been working uh, with, say, the pipeline? Well, I, I, I see under uh, a much greater decentralization with um, under this scenario. For, for one thing, I, I don't think there would be the prevalence or the need or the requirement for pipelines, period. Um, so that So that's one issue. But the whole point is that uh, instead of a uh, multinational calling the shots and having connections at at the federal level, um, these these kinds of decisions can be made um, at the local level uh, with a degree of um, uh, mutual respect, where the producers and users are in alignment with each other. Great. So you would be then lobbying for these these types of issues that promote this economic democracy. Yes. Okay. And like immediate legislative issues, you see that there's actually things before the Congress or the states now, or would you be helping or working with organizations in creating that legislation? Well, um, I, I think that um, we would be supportive of uh, legislation that uh, shifted the direction towards economic democracy, uh, such as increased uh, employee representation on corporate boards of directors or uh, regionalized public banking, uh, which allowed for increased funding for employee stock ownership, uh, leverage buyouts, startups, and cooperatives. And we would also be supportive of efforts uh, to define um, bioregions where uh, multiple counties or states uh, share the same resource, such as water, and place this resource in a public trust. Uh, we're also intrigued with the uh, potential for uh, platform cooperatives where, unlike, say, uh, Uber, a software application is open source, and all participants share in the equity growth of the enterprise. So 
So there are longer-term shifts that we will monitor and support. Uh, but realistically, our focus will be placed on specific near-term legislative issues related to sustainable resource management. And this is a whole, I mean, this is like a whole different new paradigm about um, economics and how to run the economy with um, taking, you know, making sure that people's needs get met and that we're dealing with issues that are important to people in their local communities. That's, I mean, that's a big shift. (laughs) That's really huge. Um, So I really commend you on taking this step and learning from some of these organizations you've been working with and um, giving folks the opportunity to make a difference and get involved in these levels. And so, again, the website is economicdemocracyadvocates.org, and we are uh, on COWS Radio here. We are on Evolutionary Voices with COWS, on COWS Radio at 107.3 FM and streaming at COWS FM. And we are going to take just a brief musical break here with actually another Charlie Daniels band song called 16 Tons and again it's about uh, the coal miners. You know we can talk about philosophically how we're going to set up our economy and, and how we're going to run legislation to help folks and at the end of the day it's about each person supporting their family going to work each day trying to get paid enough money to put food on the table and a roof over the heads for their families. Um, yeah, so, so today's your launch date. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, how it's been getting ready for this and uh, what do you see happening during your first um, six months or so? Sure, well, um, we've been preparing uh, for our website to go live today, January 1st. Uh, and in so doing, you know, this has really forced us to uh, clarify our, our priorities and approach. And, and during the next uh, several months, we will be staging platforms uh, where the public can offer their suggestions and uh, help us to identify issues where uh, group advocacy is warranted. Um, we will then need to prioritize these in light of uh, our available human and financial resources. Um, and we're utilizing social media to the extent uh, possible as well. Uh, we will also be uh, communicating with other NGOs, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, to, to explore the issues that they've identified and to see if we can augment their effectiveness uh, with uh, our inherent ability to engage directly uh, with decision makers. And we will also uh, be gearing up for our first annual conference, uh, which will be held in Asheville, North Carolina, over the Memorial Day weekend. And so what will, that com- what will you be doing at that conference? Well, it's still in the planning stages, uh, but in a, in a nutshell, uh, we'll have a series of speakers who will address the uh, underlying principles of uh, EDA, Um, our approach for identifying areas of greatest focus and the key issues involved uh, with our primary uh, advocacy targets. We we will highlight specific examples where action needs to be taken and we'll uh, demonstrate the approaches uh, suggested for effective uh, advocacy. So training people, you'll be helping to train people? On how to do that? Uh, yes, 
Yes, we, we will, similar to uh, how FCML uh, provides guidance and help and, and mm-hmm. training tools. And, and since our priority issue is, is water within this uh, nexus of water, food, and energy, uh, we will have speakers who, will, who have direct experience in these areas, including uh, you know, elected representatives who can provide insights concerning how they are impacted uh, by lobbyists. Mm-hmm. And what do, you, what do you see are some of your greatest challenges going forward? Um, well, fundraising, for one. Uh, so far, we are self-funded, and we don't have much experience with fundraising. We're, we're somewhat at a disadvantage because of our decision to become an advocacy organization means that the uh, IRS disallows uh, tax deductions for donations since we're considered by the IRS to be a political advocacy group, even though our intention is to be apolitical and to not be involved with political parties or elections. We are issue-oriented regardless of uh, political uh, persuasion. So then how can people help donate? Oh, thanks for asking that, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) We were going there. (laughs) Great, great question. Um, Well, like I say, we We've been self-funded by the uh, five co-founders, and and even though we're all volunteers, you know, there are expenses required to maintain and grow an organization such as ours. So, so we're uh, totally dependent on grassroots support, and those interested in making a donation uh, can do so uh, online at our website. Uh, economicdemocracyadvocates.org. Great. That's wonderful. Good. So everybody, economicdemocracyadvocates.org. Go, please make a donation, a New Year's resolution to get involved and help this new launching organization uh, represent ways to increase our economic democracy and help uh, heal our political democracy as well. Um, so, Wayne, you talked about, you know, one of the issues being around water. Could you tell me some more about the kinds of issues you expect to be engaged with and how, how you'd mobilize around them? Well, um, you know, there are a great many macro um, and micro issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, we're, we're early on here. Our strategy at EDA is to identify those issues which are really symbolically significant and and which can be uh, impacted with laser-type focus. Uh, You know, for example, if if Nestle is exercising its power over a small town's water supply, say, for the benefit of its massive uh, bottled water enterprise, and if we were to help bring uh, pressure to bear through legislative channels, success in this instance could be uh, precedent setting for other similar situations. And, you know, it's, it's really our intention to, to serve as a type of uh, issue uh, clearinghouse, if you will, and a facilitator of action. Uh, we will utilize our, our website and social media to invite everyone who has an interest in these issues to contact us. You know, some individuals uh, may be inclined towards 
researching key macro and micro issues, while others um, may express an interest in becoming involved with direct advocacy. And, you know, still others might identify an important pending issue in their local area that could benefit from our growing ability to uh, facilitate direct engagement with local decision makers. So, so our role at uh, EDA is to offer guidance and to help coordinate solid research uh, in support of the position we are taking on an issue. The next step then is to identify the upcoming action to be taken on an issue and following this, we would uh, provide contact information about decision makers and examples of uh, action, including letters to the editor, uh, email, uh, social media, phone calls, and importantly, uh, in-person meetings. What it's sounding like to me is that we're, you're providing a way for people to perhaps stop being um, either victims of or bystanders to large corporations running our economy. And instead, what it's sounding like to me is it's sort of like this economic political movement for people to take control back of the economy and not just leave it to, like I said, the companies um, or the politicians bought by those companies, but really use the political process to help influence our economic reality. And so how do you feel that, you know, given our current political climate and the mood of the country, um, how is this might impact you in the future or support you going forward or limit you or kind of where do you see that sort of current political climate and mood right now? Boy, good question. Um, at, the, at the federal level, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see what transpires with the uh, Republican-dominated uh, executive and legislative branches and uh, perhaps soon the Supreme Court. We will, we'll, we will monitor new legislation, and if there are proposals that um, directly impact resources or economic democracy where our support or opposition might make a difference, we'll likely go into action. But... Realistically, I, I think our, our greatest traction will be found in the state and local government arenas. Um, you know, I, I believe that many of the Trump and Bernie Sanders supporters were expressing a, a powerful populist sentiment of um, really rejecting the, the subjugation of uh, political power to concentrated wealth. Um, as well as uh, resistance to what is felt to be the ever-increasing centralized bureaucracies. And I believe that EDA is in alignment with these sentiments and that we can offer very tangible opportunities to really do something about it if the individual really does have more power than they realize in this sort of a context. So um, we're encouraged that uh, we have a uh, potentially substantial constituency that can uh, really make a difference, um, offering you know what I like to call uh, tangible hope. Thank you, Wayne. You it is encouraging and um, it's inspiring, and I want to thank you. 
and I want to thank your co-founders at Economic Democracy Advocates for birthing this at this moment in time right now. It seems like absolutely perfect divine timing, divine choreography, yeah. you might call it, um, because right. people are really looking for ways to get engaged and, and uh, make their voices heard and stand up for their local economies and our larger collective economy. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, we, and Lisa, thank you so much for um, letting our voice be heard. Yeah, and best of luck as you launch this out into the world. Um, may the, the message go far and wide, and I wish you the best of luck on your conference coming up uh, over Memorial Day. And again, if people would like to uh, find out more about you, um, you're at economicdemocracyadvocates.org. And this is Evolutionary Voices on Cows Radio, 107.3 FM, and streaming out live, streaming and streaming live online at cows.fm. And you can also find uh, my podcasts um, at cowsevolutionaryvoices.podomatic.com.